0: As we think about holiness and how God is holy, isn't it ironic that that's a true thing? You can go into Google and type that. You can type Christians are, and those things pop up. I mean, if you type that in, and and isn't it ironic that that we are not often known for our love or our holiness, but for for other things? And I would like for us to consider that this morning. If God is holy, what does it mean for us to be holy? Will you go to the Word? We're going to be in the book of Genesis this morning. We're gonna be in the book of Genesis, chapter twelve. It'll be on the screen here behind me. You can read along, or you can listen as the word washes over us from the book of Genesis. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morev Shechem, At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar right there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went towards the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel out towards the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards Negev. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say... Thanks be to God. We are finishing up our series, God Is, this week. We've talked about how God just is, like we believe in God, and that God is so big, and the totality of being of who God is is really indescribable. We can't contain it in all the words that we have in our language. We've talked about how God is love. Today, though, I want you to think about how God is holy. So will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. We'll get there. We'll get there. All God's people said, Amen. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor in Montgomery, and I think many of you probably know him. He grew up in this church. He actually served as an associate pastor in this church for a little while. His name's Brian Miller. And Brian Miller is serving at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Montgomery, and has been there for the past couple of years. And he and I and Rob Couch, who is now the senior pastor at Christ United Methodist Church out in Westmobile, um, we used to always go to lunch together, like once a week at least, if not once every two weeks. Rob was a, working as a pastor at Prattville. Brian was at Aldersgate. I was at Huntingdon, And um, I loved going to lunch with these guys um, because they're just awesome. Rob was my boss when I worked at First Methodist in Prattville, and, and he brought me in when I was in seminary to be a worship leader there, and, and Brian was always so much fun and has a lot of life to them. And, and I love going to lunches with these guys. Most of you know I love going to lunch because I love to talk and I love to eat. And like that's the pairing of my two favorite things. And so we would go to lunch together and we would talk and talk and talk. Brianna knew if, um, if I was going to lunch with Brian or Rob, not to expect me for a couple of hours. And if it was all three of us, I might not come home. We would just, we would talk for as long as you possibly could. And though now Rob and I are down here in Mobile, um, we still have lunch together. But I miss those lunches with Brian for him being with us. Or whenever Rob moved, it was just the two of us. Because we would have such life-giving conversations. And, and there's a couple reasons why I miss having Brian around, being around him. For one, uh, I, always, I never felt funnier than when I was with Brian Miller, Either he thinks I'm the funniest person or he's just easily amused because there was never a joke that didn't land with Brian and made me just feel really good. It's like when I come up here, I'm not sure what's going to land, what's not, if I try to put humor in the sermon. Um, Sometimes I'll say something that I think is going to be hysterical and it'll sound like that. (laughs) I got this one, a couple years ago, I came up with something for one of my sermons on grace and um, I thought it was, I was like writing it like rolling laughing. And Brianna's like, what? And I told her, she's like, that's not funny. I was like, you just watch. It is so funny. And so I go up and I preach the sermon and I say the joke and I mean just nothing. And she's like, mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose this one. And at Huntington, I could travel and I was preaching in different places every Sunday and I, don't ever, I never repeat the entire same sermon, but there'll be a story or a joke that could you know, move from sermon to sermon. In a couple of years, if I say the same story I say when I first got here, just forgive me. Sometimes I forget. But I was determined to try this again. And so we go to another church the next weekend, and, and I work it in there because we talk about grace, and I, and I say the joke, and, and nothing again. And I'm just like, this is funny. Why don't y'all get it? And, and I, so I tried it one more time. I told Brianna, if it doesn't work, I'm going to retire it. And so sure enough, I tried it one more time, and it didn't work. And so she's like, are you going to stop doing it? I was like, no, it's going to work somewhere. And so here's what it is. So <laughs> So... I always, I, we all love grace, think God's grace is great, and we believe God's grace is all for all people, and everybody should get grace, and so I, I think if we ever had a spokesperson for grace, it should be Oprah, because she'd be like, you get some grace, and you get some grace, and you, all right, you win, Brianna's right, I'm wrong, it's not that funny. I could tell out to Brian Miller, though, and he would laugh hysterically. Brian, I felt like Jim Gaffigan at like Madison Square Garden anytime time I was with Brian, because he's just, he's just full of life. He's so jovial. He's got so much you know, energy to him. And I think people who have this propensity for joy in their life you know, find more humor in things. Brad Good was kind of like that too. He and I would talk, still on the phone. We were talking the other day, and I said something to him, and I thought like the phone cut out because he did that like belly laugh that Brad does where you feel like he loses his breath for a second. He goes like, ha! <laughs> and so like, when you're with people who just are full of life, they just make you feel good, right? You just feel better about, you know, life is more joyful, it's fun, and, and that's what I got being around Brian. I also miss the fact that when I was with Brian and Rob, there was never a question of, like, who's the smartest in the room. It wasn't me. I knew that, and, you know, that's easy for me to say, you know, from up here, but there's often times where I'm, like, competing, you know, with my peers intellectually, you know, who's the smartest, who makes the best grades, who, whatever it might be, but, but there's no ego involved when I hang out with Brian, or with Rob, because they were both my boss, well, um, Rob was my boss, and I always knew he was right and I was wrong, and, and Brian was always just so wise, and they had this experience, and so I loved being with them because I felt like I was gleaning. When you're with people who you know that you can learn from, isn't it just life-giving? The most important thing, though, that I, um, I miss about being around Brian, and um, this is one of kind of the whole point of, of telling you about Brian, is that when I'm around Brian, I just feel like I'm around somebody who's holy. If you ever met him, or if you've ever met somebody like this, when when it's not to say, you know, that I'm not holy or that Rob's not holy, and you know, all pastors, all people, were trying to be holy, but there's just some people when you're around them that make you feel calmer. They have this peace about them that you know is is different. They they're not like everybody else. They're not there participating in jokes that are cutting people down or that are ugly or mean. There's something different about their spirit. You can just feel it when you're in their presence. Like when you're around a holy, somebody who you think of, you look up to in their spiritual journey, you know like it's just a blessing to be with them. Carl Stegall, the former pastor at First Methodist Montgomery, he was my teaching parish supervisor and he used to tell me um, that to be a good pastor, you need to have a non-anxious presence. And Brian has that non-anxious presence. I don't necessarily have that non-anxious presence. I'm not very anxious myself, but the rapidity at which words come out of my mouth often causes great anxiety for those who are hanging out with me. <laughs> Trying to sit there and listen to everything I'm saying because I talk so fast. Um, that causes a little, ang- I get that, I'm working on it, I promise, you might think like you said that since day one and you're still the same. Like it's gonna be a multi-year thing, people. Like I can't stop, slow down overnight. But, but you're with somebody with that non-anxious presence and it's just calming and, and you kind of get this sense of there's something different about this person, something peaceful. And God used Brian in my life to bring that presence of peace, that person of holiness, that, that agent of God at work to be able to speak life of authority, of encouragement into me, to, to, to give me what I needed from the Lord through this agent, this vessel. And, and for me, it happened to be, more often than not, him. I think that's exactly what our text can help us think about this morning as it relates to holiness. It is the text that is at the very beginning of Israel's history. This is the story of the call of Abraham. Well, it's actually Abram, but I'm going to call him Abraham because he later changes his name. And If I keep going back and forth between Abram and Abraham, you're going to be like, which one is it? They're the same person, but later in the story, God has Abram changed his name to Abraham. So I'm just gonna to refer to him as Abraham today. Within this text, there's a lot of things happening. The text itself is making a shift away from the, the world global stage of God activity to a very particular family situated in Mesopotamia. Abram's story is rooted in the early activity of God and the creation and all these narratives, but it, and so it continues to interact with the larger world, but it's also meant ...to be a character that narrows the reader's focus on God's specific activity in this particular individual and his descendants. The story of the Old Testament is about the people of Israel, and Abraham is the father of the people of Israel... You see, in the ancient Near East, there were lots of other stories about the gods of other nations and about how they acted. Typically, there were these cosmic deities, these tyrants that people did not know intimately or they had no immediate sense of. They were described as being vengeful and wrathful and smiting, and the the people knew that they were inferior in comparison to these gods, and everything they did was aimed to please these gods, and it might not ever be enough. Also, the people of these nations typically thought that the gods of their people were meant to just help their people. They were helping their nation prosper. Um, It was very insular. It was inward-focused relationship between the people's gods and their community. It was about them and their prosperity. But the Abrahamic narrative is a very different picture. If you've read it before, as we listened to it this morning, we see that the God of Abraham spoke a very different word into existence. When God calls Abraham in our story today, God still wants to make Abraham a great nation and and God wants to bless him and descendants of his land. We hear that, and this is not the only place in the text where we hear that. In chapter 13, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, raise your eyes now and look from this place, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. There's that language of blessing. There's this, you will have prosperity. I will be in covenant with you. But then again, in, in chapter 18, After God had changed Abram to Abraham, he said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations on the earth shall be blessed in him. Do you notice what happened in in some of these stories that that is a little bit different than how I described the other gods? These, what we believe now are not real gods, like there's only one God, but how the other people viewed their gods. Their gods were all about Prosperity for their, own, for their own sake, for their own selves. But if you notice in each of these instances, the God of Abraham and his descendants didn't want to just make them awesome to, for awesome sake. It was not for personal enrichment alone. God made a covenant with Abraham so that his people would be a blessing to all nations. You see, according to the Old Testament, the ways God has been trying to be in relationship with creation, with humanity since the existence of the earth, has not worked out exactly maybe the way God wanted it to. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. People tried to build a tower all the way to heaven. Before the flood, God said that he regretted making humanity. Like this in the Bible, says he, he was sad that he even did this. So he decided to kill everybody and just keep Noah and his family. That's the way the text tells the story. The, the ways in which God is trying to relate to the people has not exactly been working out. And so God decides to do something new, something that's not happening in the other traditions, something that the rest of the, God, the people are seeing their gods. This is, not, this is a completely new story for ancient Israel. The God of Abraham forms a covenant. it's a covenant that will bless Abraham with descendants But that he will be not only the king of everything, like this great person, but he will be a blessing to everybody else. Whereas the gods of other religions were only concerned about the people, the God of Abraham was concerned with all of humanity. Isn't that cool? Like, isn't that unique? Isn't that encouraging to know, like, that God cares, that God wants to be in relationship with people? Israel is not chosen to be God's chosen people in the sense they're the only ones who get to experience God. Rather, they're chosen so that they can be the vessel through which all people experience God's goodness and God's love and God's grace. The things we talk about Jesus in the New Testament are the fullness and the fruition, all those things brought to fruition in God becoming human. But before that story, God was already wanting to do that work and trying to do that work in and through the people of Abraham to experience God's holiness. So as we simmer on this text, as we think about it, it's also important to think, well, you know, what is holiness? What does holiness mean? And, and often we think about the word in a practical sense in two different ways. Often holiness is interpreted as right moral behavior. If I do this, do this, do this, I'll be a more holy person. We also think of it as just personal. It's inward, it's something that is meant to make us better. If I am holy, then I'm making myself better for, you know, so that I'm in a better relationship with God. There are negative connotations that go around with the word holy. Has anybody ever told you that you're holier than thou? Or have you ever called somebody that? And it has this like self-righteousness to it. It's like, you know what, they're just, so, they're just holier than thou. They, they just think that they are the bomb. They're the bee's knees. They're so holy. And bee's knees is like business, but different. And so they're, they're sitting there saying, you know, they're so holy. It's, it's got this negativity to it. It's funny how the word has gotten co-opted by so many other people so that now we don't even like to use it. Because to say if I'm being holy, it's almost like to say that I'm like, you know, I'm different. What's funny, though, is it is. Literally, the translation means completely different. Holy means completely other or holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y, Holy, completely, totally other. That's the literal meaning of the word holy. So it means to be set apart to be completely different. So God is holy not because God follows some culturally prescribed version of morality where God doesn't listen to rock and roll or wear his hat indoors, but rather God is holy because God is so different. Where we're consumed by hate, God is concerned with love. When we're bent towards judgment, God is offering forgiveness. When we are ready to damn others, God wants to justify them. God is just different. The other gods of the ancient Near East were only concerned with the preservation of one nation, but our God wants to bless all people. God is holy because God is other. And God wants Israel to be holy too. That's Abraham's whole thing. I will bless you so that you can bless others. God wants Israel to be holy. God wants Israel to be different. God wants Israel not to be insular, but inclusive. God wants Israel not to be concerned solely with itself, but with others. So to be holy is not just about right behavior from a moralistic standpoint. It's about living a life that looks outside of our own. To be holy is not just about what makes me a good person, but it's about how can I bless others. Holiness is not personal action for individual advancement. It is the activity of living in a way It blesses other people. That's what holiness is. Holiness isn't about just how I'm the most moral person. I'm so good, I'm so grand. It's about how can I live a life in a way that's gonna make somebody else's life better? That's what Abraham's story was all about. And so I pray that, that for us to consider what it means to be holy, we take seriously the command we see throughout the Bible to be holy as God is holy. We take it seriously that we want to be different, that we want to be set apart, that we want to be other, and not so that we can judge others for how wrong they are, not so we can tell everybody else how bad of people they are, but so that we can help them in their lives be who God wants them to be, so that we can show love, so that we can show grace, so that we can be the, the blessing to all nations. That is holiness. It's more than just perpetuating cultural ideologies and morality. It is equally as much to do with others as it is ourselves. The reason I think of Brian as a holy person, it's not because I've never seen him do anything wrong or because he's never said anything that we would, not, we would consider to be irreverent by the standards of social culture. He has, I have, I promise. And, and there's been things in which that I wish I hadn't have done. We are all sinners. I was sitting in Sunday school earlier and, and we were just kind of all laughing around and I was like, oh my gosh, there are sinners here. And I was like, you know, there's a joke. I'm not doing well today with my humor. (laughs) But I pray to also to be like Brian in the sense that he genuinely cares for me. Like I have that sense of of genuineness when I'm with him. And I pray that others feel that with me. I pray that you will know when you're with me that, that I love you. And that I'm not wanting to put you down. I'm not wanting to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm not looking to compete with you. I want to be holy because I want God to bless other people through me. That we not be concerned with self-preservation, but with selfless mission. That we will desire to be holy as God is holy in our schools, in our families. That we will speak out against injustice and persecution because we know God is completely other than those things. That we will be a people that when others are with us, they will not see these words on the screen that make us seem like these terrible people, but they will experience love. And as we prepare to enter into communion today, as we get ready to receive the grace of God here in this place, and as the band comes back to lead us in this time of worship, I ask you all to consider what does it mean for you to be holy as God? is holy. I know you might be having some inner conflict. Woods, I don't know how to be holy. I'm not a holy person. This is my first time ever coming to church, or this is my first time coming to church in a long time, or I only come to church because my my spouse made me, or my parents made me. Holiness is so far from who I am. You don't know my family dynamic. My family dynamic is so messed up. We are so far from holiness that, that we don't even identify with the image. To that, I would say, you know that Abraham had a pretty weird family dynamic as well. I mean, he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He pretended his wife was his sister. He had a baby out of wedlock with his wife's servant. He second-guessed God's plan. And there are all sorts of people in the Bible just like Abraham and just like me, just like you, sinners, people who mess up, who fail but we believe that God is bigger than us. We believe that God is bigger than our mistakes, that God is bigger than our failures, that God is holy because God is completely different, and no matter what we think of ourselves, God thinks something different about us because God is bigger than we can ask for or imagine or understand, and that's what holiness is. It's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than our fears. It's bigger than the things we don't believe about ourselves. It's bigger than our insecurities. Holiness is a breath away, friends to turn and repent from the things that we no longer want to do so that we can be holy as God is holy, so that we live a life that blesses others, so that we leave this place saying, God, how can I be holy? God, how can I be to others what you are to me? How can we reach the lost? How can we give sight to the blind? How can we comfort the broken? How can we be holy? Go, be holy. Be holy. Be holy as God is holy. God whose love never fails. God whose love is unconditional. God whose love will be with us no matter what. Be holy as God is holy. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you love us in spite of ourselves. We thank you that you are at work in our lives. We ask that you help us to be holy. To live a life worthy of the calling that you've set upon us. Help us to look outward as opposed to inward. Help us welcome the stranger. We admit that we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray all these things now and always. Amen.